Hi, this is Mistress Katia, and this Mastercast is for adults over 18 and kinky individuals over 18. So if you're under 18, get the hell out of here. If you'd like to support the show, please go to Mastercast.com and donate. Press the donate button. You should do it. Do it. Thank you. Hi, thanks for downloading another Mastercast. I try to put something of interest here, but I really don't have anything of interest at this point. I've got a lot of stuff going on. That's uh, that's about it. How about you? How are you doing? You, are you good? Things things are well. Okay, good. Well, um, okay, well, this episode uh, first. Let's thanks thanks the sponsor, Eden Fantasies, where you can save twenty percent on your order by typing in EFCast E F C A S T. Uh, right now, in fact, they have they have a great deal on uh, rabbits. They're, it's their spring sale, thirty percent off some selected rabbits, just in time for Easter. You can give someone a rabbit for Easter. See? Say here, uh, happy Easter. Lord has risen. Lord shall come again. Here's something for your vagina. All right. Um, but again, 20% off your order. EFCAST. That's E-F-C-A-S-T. They've got uh, bondage gear, sexual health products, awesome selection of lube. Uh, you can also get reviews from it as well. Like, for example... Uh, not too long ago, Sod and I tried this one lube. It's kind of like that that uh, warming lube. It kind of it warms up. Um, well, the one we tried burst into flames. And so, you know, if I were to write a review of that type, I'd say, burst into flames, you might not want this one. But this other one is really good. That's the great part about it. So you can use the experiences of other people to benefit your own. This episode is actually, uh, we've got two-parter. Two-parter in this episode. Uh, part number one uh, is uh, a conversation with a kink-aware therapist. We've had a lot of people who've requested uh, a kink-aware therapist on the show, so we've got a therapist. And then we're going to have other kink-aware professionals as well um, uh, in future episodes. But right off the bat, my friend Megan will be joining us. And uh, her contact information will be on the website uh, as well. Uh, and also my friend, my friend Evermore. So part two of this uh, podcast will be my uh, conversation with my friend Evermore. Uh, no, very brief conversation, but a funny one nonetheless, and I think you'll enjoy that. But first, uh, a conversation with my friend Megan Hinman, who um, she and I uh, have been friends for quite a while. I asked her, I knew she was a kink-aware professional. I said, listen, would you mind? And she's heard the podcast before. So yes, she sat down and, uh, and here was our conversation. How do we know each other? For those people who are curious, oh, I should just say this: that I would have gone to you when I when I did go to a therapist. I would have gone to you, but we're close friends, right? And that would have been unprofessional. Yeah, you can't go to your friend you for can't. therapy. Nope. Well, that, that's not true. <laughs> I have gone to you for therapy. Oh, <laughs> not officially. Not officially. I I I did go to you briefly because Saad, you know, insisted. Suggested strongly oh, right. after right. I got uh, almost mugged. mugged. Yeah. No, they didn't take it, but they attempted to, to mug me. They took your security. The first thing Saad said after, wow, you're so manly that they <laughs> they didn't, even with their gun, they didn't take your iPhone. The, after she said that, she said, you should really talk, you should really talk to your friend, Megan, um, because she knows you're a therapist. Mm-hmm. She knows you're a kink-aware therapist. And um, you cured me. <laughs> no, no, but I'm good at that. You didn't, no, no. Oh. <laughs> but no. So that was like I did. I guess technically I did oh, yeah, seek I guess your a little bit. Yeah, I, I sought your help. That was good. That right? was good when you did that. And you seek my help when you need website advice. It's sometimes. true. Not, it's yeah. true. I do. You help me buy my Mac. 
Yes. Hey, I did. <laughs> One's a little bit more noble than the other, but no, yeah. No, not really. <laughs> no, I mean the Mac, Mac is more noble. Than, oh, oh, uh, right. Um, but yeah, and then so I, I've had a lot of people ask questions. Uh, uh, in fact, I've got a form spring question someone asked. Hmm. I forgot to tell you about this. I got a form spring question about awesome. this. Then I'll read it to you later. But um, and I thought it would be a really good idea to, to ask someone who knows about this stuff some questions. And we'll probably have more kinkware professionals down the road too. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not going to just play favorites because I like you as a person and you're <laughs> an awesome person. But um, the first question I have, and so most of these questions are questions that I, I honestly don't know the answer to. You know, uh-huh. but uh, the, some of them are questions that uh, I'm asking them for the benefit of those other people who might not know. Mm-hmm. But okay. most of them I don't know the answer to. The first question is, is what exactly is the difference between a kink-aware professional and just a regular therapist? Um, well, the kink-aware professionals are self-selected. So the only difference is that a kink-aware professional is somebody who has had exposure to a kinky person or who has worked with a kinky person or some way, somehow, at some point in their careers, they have realized that um, there's a kinky population out there and that a kinky population has specific needs and wants to be able to identify who they can go to. And so a person just says, okay, you know, I'm comfortable with that. I feel like my clinical skills are capable of meeting the needs of this group mm-hmm. and i um would like to reach out to them and let them know i'm here but there is no like there's no certification process so just because someone says they're a kink aware professional doesn't necessarily mean they're the best person for you just because right. right yeah i mean it basically just says they're telling you i'm open yeah. yeah if i were to go see a therapist and that person was not necessarily open as a kink aware professional well i think I don't think that kinky people can only go to kink-aware therapists. I just think that you don't know when you call a therapist if if they are or not. I think that if you're kinky, you're gonna you want to figure it out before you start a therapeutic relationship. If you're gonna if you feel you're gonna bring it up in session or something like that. Yeah, but also like you know, say you're kinky and you're just, you're depressed Mm -hmm. and you're like, well, I'm not going to talk about my sex life in therapy. So it doesn't matter who I go see, but then you're in therapy, you develop, you know, you develop a relationship with this person and down the line, you know, when you go to therapy, part of it is about opening up Mm -hmm. and, um, opening up new parts of yourself and getting comfortable with new parts of yourself and something like depression or, really any almost everything that people go to therapy for it's not something that you just fix it in six weeks and that's it it's over you know therapy is kind of uncovering and self-discovery and so um because it's usually a five-week process (laughs) no so if the person that you're seeing is somebody that you're not comfortable talking about your sexuality with you're kind of you could really, you know, bring a stop to your treatment or make it less good than it could be. Yeah. Then if you knew, uh, either because you asked or because um, you negotiated it in some way in the beginning of the relationship before you invested, that this therapist is somebody who, you know, is is open to all the parts of you. It's it's one, it's one more, th- it's one less thing you have to worry about when you're interviewing for a therapist, when you're looking for a therapist, right? Sure. Well, I wouldn't, I, I think you still have to, I think you still have to check. No, no, I know. I'm just saying one less thing. Yeah. Right? You still yeah. have to check and all that stuff, but at least you yeah. know, okay, 
at least I know that there's a good chance they're not going to be totally wigged out when I mention flogging. Or right, 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 right. Well, yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so we got that out of the way. You know, mm-hmm. we, we understand what a kink word, but there's also kink word professional doctors. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there's mechanics out there, <laughs> carpenters, plumbers. But um, what what made you decide, okay, I'm going to open myself up for these types of people and, and kinky people? What? Um, well, um, it's, it's actually kind of a strange answer. Um, I mean, I, I'm i friends with you. I know yeah, that you're Gina, kinky right. and you have a kinky podcast that's right. pretty cool. And um, But actually, what really led me in that direction is that I was working for the beginning of my career, for most of my career, with people who were dying. Right. And... Uh, I was working, you know, most of them were old and uh, they were all really sick. Mm-hmm. And yet I was finding that sex was like constantly coming up in mm-hmm. conversations. And I thought, you know, this is not the time of life where people think that sex would be something that we would be talking about. But um, it just kind of shed the light for me on the fact that sex is something that's a really big part of life and a really big part of conversations about who we are. And when mm-hmm. people are searching themselves, Sex is one of the things that is there. And um, started doing some more reading and talking with other therapists. And that was how I realized that not all therapists really are comfortable talking about sex and aren't comfortable with different kinds of sexuality, mm-hmm. that things that are different. And um, I wanted to be sex positive. And it, it all just kind of, um, you know, I work with, I don't only work with kinky people, I work right. with lots of different types of people. But I think that there need to be therapists out there who make it clear that, um, you know, they're willing to talk about sex and they're willing to talk about things that might be uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, because I know I, there was a point when I did go to, I, I went to a therapist, right? Mm-hmm. Actually, there have been two times in my life when I went through there. One is right, I, right after I, I was going through a divorce and I was really down. I was really down. And it got, it got to a point where some friends said, look, you just, you got to go to see a therapist. And so I went and it was so bad. It was just so <laughs> wrong. And um, it was just a really bad experience. And, and I'm, I did mention very briefly that I had submissive tendencies. And she said, oh, well, we're going to have to work on that because there's clear, clearly something, you know, she, she oh indicated. My God. Right, right. Now, I'm not saying all non-kink aware professionals are going to act that way. But that really turned me off for a while. Absolutely. Right? Of, of therapy. And I was like, all right, okay, never mind. Um, and then the second time I went, I did... You know, actually, you pointed me into the direction of someone who was kink aware, and it was really amazing. It was really, I mean, it was weird to be able to talk to someone in a way that I knew they weren't judging me, Uh you know, and, uh, and I was, it was really, it was really a relief because it was one less thing you had to sit there and go, oh, by the way, and I didn't have to worry about them saying, oh, well, that definitely factors in and how fucked up you are, you know? Right. Well, I think, you know, we live in a culture that really has a hard time with sex Mm -hmm. and therapists are people just like everyone else Mm -hmm. and therapists have issues just like everyone else. So a lot of therapists, like your therapist you saw after your divorce, uh, she had issues. Right. She had issues with with sex and with with pathologizing and with with whatever, you know? I mean, it's, it's a... I'm sorry you had that experience, right. but, you know... Well, that I do it- blame you for it. <laughs> so, you should be sorry. Well, you mentioned pathology. hmm And I asked you this question very briefly before we started recording this, and I thought, oh, because I don't know about this stuff, and this is why you're here, and this is why I don't do this podcast alone, is that 
Uh, I know that there there was a manual. I don't can't remember what it's called. It's called the DSM. Okay, the which, Diagnostic and Statistic Manual. Okay, and this basically says these are the different things that are pathologies. These are the things that are they're mental disorders. Right. Yeah, and um, sadism and masochism are in there. Yes, along with other kinks and fetishes too. Like or yeah, sort of. Okay. I mean, there's like there's a variety of things, but the the big thing that kinky people need to know about the DSM and the psychology community and pathology is that even though um, you know sadism and masochism and other sexual things are in there mm-hmm. what it says is you know this is how you identify somebody who is let's say a masochist mm-hmm. they're somebody who gets pleasure from pain and they're somebody who experiences distress because they get pleasure from pain. So you, you can't be diagnosed with a diagnosis of a masochist because you get pleasure from pain. It, it's only if you are upset that you get pleasure from pain if it's a negative that you would be assigned that. And then with sadism, it's the same thing. And it also adds that if, you're, if you get pleasure from inducing pain and you do it to unsuspecting people, <laughs> then they, then you will be diagnosed, yes. which I think is completely fair. I think it is, yeah. <laughs> and the police will probably be involved well, as well. let's hope. Right? But, because uh, that was the th- thing I thought. I thought, can they lock me up because I'm oh. a masochist? No, so it's not like that. And, and furthermore, you know, anxiety is in the DSM. Nobody gets locked up for anxiety. Right. Okay, because I mean, I'm not kidding. I'm, I may be very stupid about this, but I thought because my kink was in this book mm-hmm. that... Uh, you know, they could put me on meds or something like that. No. No? Okay. No. Where can I go? How can I get meds? What do I do? <laughs> what do I need to do? That's not as big a deal. Why do people yeah. make such a huge deal? There, people in the sex positive community make a huge deal about the fact that these things are in, like yeah. homosexuality was in. Right. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that was, I mean, that was problematic. Right. But this isn't the same thing. Right. Okay. Oh, I see. You're right. Yeah, you're absolutely right. <laughs> um, Okay, so let's say, um, you know, I, I imagine most kink-aware therapists, when someone goes to see you, kink is not the main reason they're going to see someone, right? Um, I, I guess it depends, you know. I think, uh, you know, kinky people are just like everybody else. You know, they right. have anxiety, they have depression, they have relationship problems, they have addictions, eating disorders, you know, mm-hmm. whatever. And maybe the kink is a just something else about them that they they want to be able to bring up if, mm-hmm. if they should get there, which is a really something I would advise. Yeah. Um, but sometimes people come in be- with qu- just, you know, questions like, why, why am I like this? Mm-hmm. Why, why, why does this feel this way? Mm-hmm. And why have I always wanted this thing mm-hmm. that other people don't want? And then um, sometimes it's also just about, you know, self-acceptance, like yeah. judging myself and be feeling ashamed of my sexuality. Right. Let's say someone is not, and if someone's in New York, I know that there's there are different ways people can find mm-hmm. uh, a kinkware professional. But let's just kind of start from the beginning. If someone has an issue or they want to talk to someone, let's do like a sort of the cliff notes short version mm-hmm. of how someone should go about finding a therapist. A therapist, right? Okay. Well, the um, the National Coalition for Sexual Freedom has the database mm-hmm. of kinkware professionals. So. On that list, there's uh, you can pick psychologists and you can pick therapists or counselors, mm-hmm. and they give you a big list. Yeah. Um, and then and they're listed by area. Mm-hmm. Um, so from there, 
really the advice that I have about finding a therapist is not specific to whether you can find someone off the KAP list or not. Um, it's really just in general. Mm-hmm. So you got to know what your choices are. Yeah. You know, who gives therapy? Psychologists give therapy. Social workers give therapy. Counselors give therapy. Um, and I'm a creative arts therapist. In New York, creative arts therapists also give therapy. Right. Although this is the only state where we have our own license. Yeah, there you go. Um, and, you know, they're all different. Uh, psychologists have a PhD. Some mm-hmm. people say PhD is good because that's more education. Other people say PhD is academic. I'm not interested in academic. I want somebody who's, you know, in the trenches. Um, it's really, at that point, it's about finding somebody who's a good match. Yeah. So... I guess I never really thought about that way. I mean, for me, it's always been about the person. Yeah. So I've never, I never really asked myself, okay, do I want someone with a PhD or something like that? Because <laughs> I know a lot of assholes with a lot of degrees, <laughs> and I know a lot of really smart people who dropped out of college. You know. Right. So, which you didn't drop out of college, I no. should say that. Really. Um, okay. So, how do you know when you've got a good match? I mean, do you do you just kind of quickly talk to the person? Yeah. Uh, just get to know them in one session and then kind of move on, or no. is there is there a kind of a, a faster way to? Well, um, a lot of people want to go through their insurance. Um, so you can always get like a list of therapists from your insurance, try to match them up with the kink list, or if you can't match them up with the kink list, uh, if you know anybody who knows somebody, sometimes that's a good way to do it. Um, the good thing to, the important thing to know about insurance is that insurance companies do not pay therapists well. Mm -hmm. So, um, a lot of the therapists who are taking insurance are the people who are either just getting started or, um, you know, they haven't been able to build up their practice in another way. Yeah. So it's just like a just a good thing to know as you're choosing. And sometimes your insurance isn't going to help you that much with your mental health benefits anyway. Yeah. So, and you can usually strike a deal with some with therapists. Most therapists I, I found will haggle. I haven't gone. Yeah. I, I should say, I haven't gone to a whole bunch of therapists, you know. Um, so I can't speak from experience. But from what I have... Learned that you can you can haggle a little bit. You can say, "Look, here's my budget. I really can't go above this," you know, and yeah. you can kind of work with that. I mean, some of the really established people they don't they don't need to haggle anymore. But right. you know, most I mean, I certainly do a sliding scale. Right. Most therapists do. Yeah. Um, yeah. So then, what I would say is to find a couple people that you know, whether you, you like their website or you know they list something on their profile that's positive if they're on psychology today and mm-hmm. there's something there that sounds good yeah. get a couple people leave a couple of voicemails and then um have phone conversations and see is this is this person somebody who listens when i talk mm-hmm. is this somebody that i feel like i can be comfortable with you know how how does it feel if they ask me questions how does it feel if i ask them questions sometimes therapists do a free initial session and so that's a really good thing to mm-hmm. do but I would say, you know, start with a handful and then narrow it down from there and see who feels right. And sometimes you even need to meet with somebody, you know, twice, maybe three times before you can decide. We, we talked about all the different reasons why, you know, I think a lot of people, you, you also mentioned that uh, some people want to know why they're kinky. Mm. And I have a feeling that that's probably something that Maybe only in a few cases will you ever be able to find that answer. But is it more the self-acceptance thing that, or or the the journey of trying to find it that they're going to... Am I making any sense whatsoever? Yeah, a little bit. I I think that, um, you know, sometimes when the conversation gets to how did I get like this, then 
everyone wants to identify like, oh, it was this moment. Yeah. It was that time when I was four. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that's that's not the way it works. Yeah. And it's also not about like, oh, it was uh, it was this this abuse. It yeah. was oh, it's, it's because of this abuse. It, that's not it either. It's really just, um, you know, I think that the advantage that kinky people can have in therapy is that kinky people are so in touch with their fantasies. Yeah. And fantasies are such a window to our psyche and everything that's happening in our lives. So with a fantasy, you can kind of weave back, who is this fantasy? Who am I in this fantasy? And and where did this fantasy come from? And how does this fantasy relate to who I was as I was growing into a person? And, you know, that's what everybody has to do in therapy is go and, you know, how did I become this person? And where are my threads connected? Um, And, you know... Most people have a hard time getting in touch with their fantasies in order to go down that path, but... Well, this is just a, goes to show how good of a therapist you are. Originally, I told you that when I was a kid, I used to fantasize about Wonder Woman, and I thought that had to do with my desire to be dominated by a female, and you said, no, it's my desire for discount contact lenses from Linda Carter. <laughs> and I'm like, I wow. Say, I don't remember this conversation. Turns out I just wanted discount contact lenses and Saad should have laughed a lot harder at that joke. Damn it. There's a lot of people I know, and actually I've experienced this myself, who um, can sometimes use the act of kink or some acts in BDSM as a form of therapy. In, in, in a way mm-hmm. they, they feel like I know like there are sometimes like if I, especially if I've had a really bad day or a really stressful day um, and then I and then sudden I play um, it's not like she's saying oh you've had a bad day so you need you know mm-hmm. it's just sometimes when that happens I feel so relieved afterwards mm-hmm. it's a it's a form of release and there's in reflection and sometimes there's you know there's a lot of emotion that comes out of that yeah I've explained that to some people before who weren't kinky and they said, oh, that's very unhealthy. That's a very unhealthy way to deal with it. And then other people who go, who, who some, you know, friends of mine who are kinky, and that's sometimes the only form of what they would call therapy they have. I guess my question is, is that, is that a good thing? I mean, should people be using that as a form of therapy or? Well, I think that, you know, sex is how adults play. Yeah. And sex makes people feel good that's i mean that's why it's there it makes people feel good and it makes people bond and i think if if you're using things that make you feel good and make you bond with your partner to help you cope then that is a good thing to be doing but i I, okay so again the quite the answer is when it feels when the whole process feels good afterwards right yeah Mm -hmm. because i'm sure there are plenty of people who i mean i've played with people I shouldn't have played in the past, you know, and, mm. and I've done things that weren't healthy because I was desperate to play. Mm-hmm. Um, and I put myself in dangerous situations. Yeah. So I, I suppose it always comes back to as long as you're with a person that's healthy for you at the beginning, right? You have to have that variable. Yeah. Well, and that's not, it's not different for a kinky person versus any person, you know, there's plenty of people who are, you know, desperate for a date tonight. So they go out and get really drunk and they go home with the wrong guy. I mean, right. you know, that's, oh boy, have I. <laughs> it's not just a kinky person thing. Yeah. I suppose. Yeah. When you say kink, you could just say sex Anybody, or, yeah. or whatever. Um, but you, so so you don't see anything wrong with people using it as a form of therapy. 
No, no. And I, and I think the thing is that therapy isn't about like, this is good, this is bad. You yeah. know, if, if people are using their kink to cope, then, I mean, if it makes them feel good, that that's good. We want people to feel good. Then. Yeah. Um, I think if, if something is being used obsessively or, um, you know, sometimes people talk about like kind of zoning out or dissociating. Mm-hmm. What, what, can you explain what disassociating means? Yeah, yeah. Uh, dissociating is, it's an involuntary defense mechanism that happens not on purpose where somebody is in a situation and then suddenly they feel like they're kind of outside of their body. Sometimes they feel like they're on the ceiling looking down on themselves. They're not really present. Mm-hmm. They don't, they're not in their body. They're not really, they're not really there. Is it a, is it a, literally a physical thing where they feel like they're looking down on the situation or is sometimes. it more, oh, but Some, it's also sort of like they're not really in the fancy, con- but you know, right. a lot, a lot of times people talk about like kind of being outside of themselves right. looking down. You know, that's a that's a coping mechanism, but is it is it working? I mean, does it does it really help? But, you know, it's there's not just an automatic answer of that's bad. Right. But it's you know, sometimes if somebody's dissociating and they're not in control of that, um, you know, if you're not just you're not just daydreaming, but you're really feeling outside yourself, um, that might need a second look. But but even with, you know without knowing more you know it's it's again it's it all has to be kind of about the conversation and how how the client is feeling not what the therapist puts on it. It sounds to me like just over the course of our conversation is that if someone's asking them questions about is 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 X good or is X bad, the simple way to find the answer is if you take out take kink out of it, superimpose something else, and like for example say I. Sometimes when I'm feeling sad, I watch an hour of Charles in Charge, right? Because <laughs> Scott Bayo is genius. As opposed to saying, sometimes when I feel sad, I'll watch 500 hours of Charles in Charge. Right. Then you can say, okay, there's an unhealthy thing, and there's a, there's a, or, or maybe I'll watch an hour of Charles in Charge while beating up, you know, a farm animal. You know, these are, you could say, okay, well, maybe this isn't healthy, you know, because it's very, there There are nuances to these activities. Right. Well, right. yeah, I mean, I guess, I guess maybe the, the concern could be, you know, if you're doing things where you could physically harm yourself, then, Permanently, you know, yeah, yeah, then, I mean, then you would want to be careful yeah. or, you know, if you're, if you're playing with, you know, edgy emotional or physical states, then those things require caution. Yeah. But um, I guess as I answered your initial question, I was assuming that you know things were being conducted in a in a way where everybody's kind of taking account for, for well, those things. And I think that's one thing that during this conversation right now we need to be careful of because when I'm asking these questions, I'm thinking of like myself and Saad, right? Mm-hmm. Or, but at, at the same time, there are people out there who are playing with people who aren't healthy. Yeah. Uh, who might not, maybe they shouldn't be playing with these people because maybe they're hurting them more than they're helping them, you know? Mm. Are there any situations that you've experienced or maybe you can imagine? Because I know you, you don't want to give any details of people you've worked with, right? right? Um, but are, any, are there any situations where you can imagine you, where you would tell someone, okay, you might not want to play. You might not want to be experiencing BDSM right now or you might... W- you might want to avoid X activity or something like that. Are there situations where that, where BDSM can be very unhealthy? I mean, yeah. even if they're in a healthy relationship? Oh, yeah, sure. I think, you know, if it's, 
if it starts to feel bad, mm-hmm. um, definitely that's time to stop. Like uh, I think I may have mentioned earlier, if somebody is is dissociating, you know, uh, or if something is bringing up traumatic memories, those are all good times to stop. Um, also, if if it starts to feel like obsessive, like addictive, yeah. like I can't stop, then you know that's time to like kind of slow down and t- and just take a look. Right. Um, so right before this conversation started, I, I sent out on Twitter, ask your questions, ask away. And then there were some people who also asked questions via email and Formspring and all that stuff. So here's a tricky question. When it comes to safe, sane, and consensual, where does your definition of sane run out? Would someone with depression count? Would someone with uh, post-traumatic stress disorder or borderline personality disorder, or something like that. Where does safe, sane, and consensual? I mean, how do you know? Where's the sane line? I guess is the question. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess this is kind of an ethics question, isn't it? But, but I guess um, you know, for people who are kind of playing with casual partners, mm-hmm. I guess that's kind of the way that I would interpret well, the question. It's, it's very possible that someone could be. In a relationship with someone who's got PTSD. Okay. You know? Yeah. Well. All right. So let's let's look at it from that lens, like from within within an intimate relationship, and yeah. your partner has depression or your partner has PTSD. Yeah. Um. Or borderline personality disorder, for that matter. If your partner has PTSD, they should be in therapy, and that um, you have to tread carefully. That that's um. That's the way that I feel about it. Right. The, I don't think that there's anything specific that can be said ab- about it. Um, you know, PTSD is a really difficult thing to deal with. And a lot of the scenes that people play with, you know, where, where we're talking about, you know, either physical pain or power and control, um, you know, extreme emotion, uh, those can those can really trip off you know, all of the bells that go off in people's head when they've been traumatized. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying that nobody who ever has PTSD should ever play. I'm just saying that if you have PTSD, you should be in therapy and you should be treading lightly. And so should your partner. And just being aware and being careful. What do you say about vanilla therapists who try to cure kink? Cure was in quotation marks. This was on Twitter. Someone asked. Um, Well... I mean, I've never met a therapist who has tried to cure kink. Mm. Um, that doesn't sound like something that makes any sense to me. I think that uh, people have... Uh, sexuality is such a, a wide, wide spectrum, mm-hmm. and there's so many, so many different ways that people express their sexuality. And, um, you know, if, if curing means let's all you know, everybody have sex in the same way that's dictated by some authority. Right. You know, that's that's not very healthy at all. Yeah. Um, and the question is whether somebody could come to therapy and say, please take away all my kinks. Well, this is something I've actually thought about. When You know, when I was looking for someone, I, I, there were many times that I think we haven't had this conversation maybe when we've met up, maybe as friends. I don't know if I ever told you about this. But there were times when I did have a desire to to not be kinky so I wouldn't, have such a difficult time finding someone, right? Yeah. Um, what about someone who says, you know what, I just, I don't want to feel this way. And so they go to a therapist or maybe they go to a sex therapist or maybe they go to something. Is that a realistic expectation? Is that, 
or are there situations where they could kind of deal with the desires to? Um, I think, I you know, I don't, I don't think I can give a, an answer, but I, I think that you know, if somebody is like overly obsessive, that that's something mm-hmm. that therapy can help with, and. Um, I think the other thing that therapy would help with in a situation like that is helping somebody to accept themselves a mm-hmm. little bit more. Um, and I think sometimes, you know, some of the things that pull people to kinky sex, like the the power and the control stuff, if that's something that they really want to dig into and, you know, sort out and, and, you know, parse it out and where do things come from, I think it can lose a little bit of its um, its edge and, right. its, and its erotic uh, energy you know, if you spend enough time on it, you know, you can you can pull it up. I think you can pull it apart enough to get to that place. So you can understand it more. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But um, I, you know, it's not that's not what it's really about. I think. No, but I mean, I, I'm just thinking like if I was for some reason, if I was someone who lived in a very small town and I couldn't get away and it was affecting me in a negative way. Right. In mm-hmm. that I couldn't find someone and I had no prospects at all. Mm-hmm. I think I would try to get quote unquote cured or at least try to not feel as strongly about it or something like that. Well, you know? I think therapy, a good therapist in that situation could also help you find a way to make your life work for you. Yeah. How, how to what, deal with it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Because I, I think that's one thing we've, we, you know, I've learned by just this conversation alone is that therapy isn't necessarily curing. It's, Helping you kind of identify things. Yeah, uncovering and discovering yourself right. and being comfortable with yourself. Right. And so that in- instead of saying, oh, um, how do I make myself not react this way or not feel this way? It's more of, well, not react that way. How you can identify that feeling. You'll still feel it, but maybe it won't affect you in the same way. Right. Is that right? Yeah. Fuck that. I can do this for a living. Everybody, go ahead and doctor... Dr. Masochist here. I mean, there Sorry, are... <laughs> Megan. I think, I, I think I've just proven myself. I just solved the riddle of the therape- therapeutic sphinx. Well, there are models of therapy out there that, that are, um, you know, 12 weeks and then you're done. That's yeah. the way that it works. It's uh, cognitive behavioral therapy uh-huh. is like that. Um, and these are therapy interventions that are based on the intervention. Yeah. And so I've been talking about... Uh, therapy that's based on the relationship yeah. which is what I'm biased towards because yeah. I, I really think that you know you can go for a 12 week you know let's learn at the, at the end of these 12 weeks you'll be done that will help you with where you are right now but it's not gonna you know in 12 weeks you're not gonna get the um the the, the building of intimacy and and the growing that will help you the next time yeah. that something comes up that's well, troublesome I, I know you know when when I went to when I went to a therapist too, I, I I thought to myself I'm gonna go four times and if they can't fix me that's it right yeah a lot of people say that right and and um because I I and I'll be honest you know I think I went maybe ten times or something like that because I think I I got out of it what I could get out of it mm-hmm. right and because some people don't have to go for months and months and months some people right. can go I think I went I went about after about the eighth time and like the ninth and tenth time I think I just wasn't getting any more out of it whether that was my being stubborn and just saying ah oh, this is worthless yeah. or whether I did actually learn things about myself yeah or whether it was the time of the of your life or yeah. whether it was your relationship with your therapist I mean there's a thousand right but I mean the fact is is that afterwards I did feel better mm-hmm. right 
but I don't, I don't, you know, I think maybe it was more of the self-reflection thing that kind of really helped me more than anything else, yeah. you know? And um, because I, I remember when I first started going, like after the third time, and they said, the person said, oh, you, you should come back again next week. We should do this every week for whatever. I remember thinking like, what is this, like going to a chiropractor? Where they keep, <laughs> you know what I mean? I always feel screwed when a chiropractor, I, I, don't get me wrong, I have chiropractor friends, but every single time I've gone to not all chiropractors but some they said well you got to come back every other day for five months i'm like well that sounds like a scam right uh, well that that is something that i would like to say about therapy that i think is really really important hmm. and that is that m- most people find that when they start therapy they might feel good for once or twice and then they start feeling worse yeah and that's like that's part of what the process is. It's not easy, but it is like, you know, everybody that I know who hadn't been in therapy before and then, you know, started therapy while I was um, friends with them or, or my clients too, you know, at first it's fine, maybe two weeks. Oh, I like this person. I want to work with them. As soon as the work starts, it's like, oh my God, yeah. oh my God. And there's like a couple weeks of I don't know if I can do this. They stick with it and they kind of round off and they, they probably get to around where you were when you stopped, you know, and, and then, yeah. then they can build more from there if they choose to. Well, I actually, I did, I experienced something similar after like the second time, uh, you know, the second or third session that I felt, started feeling like really like shitty. I'm like, this is, this is the exact opposite <laughs> of what this is supposed to do. They should be paying me, give me a refund, right? <laughs> but you're, no, you're right. But I think, I, I you know, for me, um, it was the hardest part of going to therapy. It was like, how can someone as perfect as me need to go to a therapist, right? That was probably the... Well, I have to say that I have learned quite a bit. Oh, good. But how can someone get in touch with you? Now, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of people. Originally, I was going to have people kind of email me first, and then I was going to give them your email address or mm-hmm. something. But then I thought... They might not want to tell they you want th- that yeah, they're but, looking for therapy. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, if someone's looking for a, a therapist, they are welcome to contact me. I could give my my phone number, right? the uh, number for my office. And it, also, if someone needs help finding someone, because the majority of people who listen to this don't live in the New York area. Mm-hmm. So, but I'm sure you'd be willing to help point them in the right direction as well if they want to email you or anything like yeah, that. Yeah. Okay. My, well, my email address mm-hmm. is therapy at MeganHinman.com. Mm-hmm. I'll I'll spell my name. It's M-E-G-H-A-N-H-I-N-M-A-N. So therapy at MeganHinman.com. And uh, the number for my office is 646-450-1644. And if, um, you know, if people from outside of the area are looking for some, like, coaching help Mm -hmm. with finding a therapist in their area, then, you know, that's certainly something that we could like arrange to have a couple sessions yeah. to help them find someone if that's what they need. You've really run the gambit of different things you've helped people with and the things that you're well versed in. So because you've and you've helped people of all ages too. Well, <gasps> thank you, uh, thank you again for for helping. Oh, and thank you. Um, yeah, and hope you can point the direction for other people that we can interview in the in the future. I'll I'll be asking you for advice on who to talk to, and that'd be really cool. That sounds great. Thanks again to Megan. Again, her contact information is on the website. Uh, you can go ahead and go to massivecast.com or, or you can also email her directly at uh, therapy at meganhinman.com. That's M-E-G-H-A-N-H-I-N-M-A-N.com. And um, yeah, once again, this episode brought to you by Eden Fantasies. Type in EFCast upon checkout and get 20% on your order. Here it is, part two of the podcast, my conversation with my friend Evermore. Um, 
she had uh, she'd gotten a letter and uh, she said you're, you're gonna want to record this because this is a really interesting story so here it is my conversation with my friend evermore okay so I'm I'm you know I, I I'm on my way home I'm walking into my building and uh, I'm definitely coming from near the corner to walk into my building and I notice a young man has been holding the door for me since I've been since before I rounded to walk into my building area into my enclosure okay um and I was like wow this is this guy is like really nice he knows that I live in the we I recognized him he knows that I live in the building and he clearly waited for me and held the door so you think he was actually watching you he saw you from a ways away I think he well I think we probably got off the same train oh okay and we recognized each other I actually end up getting off the train with several people from my building almost oh, every I'm time oh I'm sure you I get, get off, off with a lot of people from your train uh huh okay I'm sorry go on <laughs> we should say you're not a slut <laughs> I'm just, just saying you're not funny <laughs> <laughs> so he's holding the door um, and you're not creeped out at all? You're just thinking... Well, I noticed that he waited yeah. and held the door for me. And I was like, wow, he waited a while to hold the door for me. Yeah. And he was on the phone when when I walked through and I was like, hey, thanks. You know, like, wow, I noticed that you waited for a while. And I just walked past and <clears throat> I got my mail and, um, and uh, went home and... A little while later, maybe within the next hour or two, he drops off a letter, but I didn't know it was him. And um, I didn't notice it until I think later that night when I went to see if the door was locked before I went to go to sleep. And I noticed this letter, it's handwritten. I don't know who could possibly want to write me a letter. I, I don't, you know, I'm thinking maybe you know, there's this actually this one creep that's in the scene. Uh, seems like a really nice guy, but like he actually came to my building once. Oh yeah, I remember that kind of a stalker dude. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. De definitely obsessive. Yeah, like very obsessive. I ended up having to call the police on him because he wasn't invited and he didn't leave. Yeah. He was still there the next morning. Whoa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he didn't have anywhere to stay, and his train wasn't until the morning, and and I'm like. Uh, you know, dude, I, I, I'm calling the police. Yeah. Like, you gotta go. You've gotta go. For those of you listening, that's that's not a good thing to do. <clears throat> he thought he was just uh, worshipping me. That's, you know. It's such a fine line between worshipping and stalking. <laughs> okay, so I get this letter, and it's on, like, it's, it's on, like, a, a cream-colored paper, mm -hmm. handwritten, no envelope, no nothing, and it says, hi. You're reading from it now. I'm reading from it now. It says, hi, with an exclamation point. Everything is all caps. It's, it's good penmanship. <laughs> um, and it goes from, um, it goes from a, a larger size type to a much smaller size type because he wants to fit it all on, <laughs> on one side of the page. <laughs> um, okay, here's what he says. My name is Roger, and I live a few floors up above, just writing to ask if you would be open, open to having a submissive friend. I know you probably have never heard of this, 
but it means I'd like to be able to pay your rent or whatever else you needed. I did this as a money slave for another girl who just moved out. I'd provide these funds every month and I don't want or expect anything in return. It keeps me feeling dominated, which I guess I like. Anyway, I just put this under your door because we've met briefly a few days ago and I saw you today and held the door for you as you came in and so I noticed your shoes and I do have a small shoe fetish. So I thought I'd ask if this interested you and you can reply back to this email address um, if you're interested or want to know more. I apologize if this is inappropriate to ask you or in any way at all offensive, it's not meant that way. If I don't hear from you, I'll take that as you're not interested and I won't bother again. If indeed this is a bother in the first place. Sorry again, but I'd hope to hear from you. Wow. Do you think he's My ever heart seen you? started racing. I thought, oh my God, how does he know? Yeah. How does he know? How does he know? But as I got to the e toward the end of the letter, I'm realizing he doesn't know. He doesn't know, otherwise he wouldn't apologize, assume it would offend me. He wouldn't try to explain to me yeah. what it is. Um, this is so absent of so many things that a lot of like internet, internet submissives looking for either a pronom or a partner or whatever, it's, it's absent of a lot of the elements of those contacts that I can't stand. Yeah. Like presumption, like um, expectation or entitlement or, you know, I'm here, here's this thing that I've said to 50 other women and y y I've just copied and pasted, you know, the text into a new message and changed the name, you know, uh, this, this has vulnerability course this has a little bit of exposure like I was a little surprised that he told me he noticed my shoes yes <laughs> you could have, could have said which I worse. have never mentioned right. <laughs> which I have not mentioned that I noticed that yeah. he mentioned my shoes um, but to me I it seems to me that he also doesn't have a lot of experience reaching out in these in this kind of way yeah or he does have some experience and it's been with people online with women who say take me out and pay for everything yeah. and then pay for this and this and this too yeah so i thought i gotta think about this for a couple of days i need to think i don't want to invite drama of course into my life especially not now i've got way too many things to think about but i could definitely use some help sure um, so a couple of days later, I wrote him an email and I said, I said, Hey Roger, it's your neighbor. Um, I'd like to talk to you about your note. Can you come by? What's your schedule like? So we made a time to talk the next day. And here is who this man is. And I love it. He's the nice guy that everybody knows in the vanilla world, he's the nice guy, that's him. And he has such little experience in this world and he's so authentic and sweet and vulnerable. And um, and I was like, I don't, 
I don't want you to pay my rent. I, dude, I don't know you. Mm. You know, like, I'm not comfortable with you paying my rent. Did you tell him about your experience in this situation? Yes, I told him, I said, I got your... Right, right, I'm skipping a few things. I was going to say. I, I said... Well, he was he was very nervous when he came in, and well, hold um, on. In, when you in your email, did, I didn't mean to cut you off, but in your email, did you say, "I'm not freaked out about this," or did you just no, say, "No, okay. I said I want to talk to you about your note." Oh God! It's all I said. Holy shit! <laughs> you did that on purpose. I did. Oh, you jerk! <laughs> okay, so he comes over, obviously very nervous, and I said, "So, I I want to talk to you about your note." I. I said it was a very sweet, very vulnerable note. And when I read it, my heart started racing because I thought you knew something I've never told anyone in this neighborhood. And I wondered, oh my God, how does he know? How does he know? He couldn't possibly know. How, how, is this man following me? Like, how does he know? Maybe he saw me walk out once and he recognized, you know, a theme to my outfit or, you know, but I don't wear fetish wear. I wear vintage. Mm -hmm. That's what I wear. Um, but I don't know. I don't know. Who knows? There could, there's always tells yeah. and some of them are not so subtle and some of them are very subtle. But if you're in the scene, you know what the tells are. So maybe he noticed. So... I came right out with it, and I said, I thought you knew. And he says, what? I said, I know exactly what you're talking about. I've been in the scene for more than five years now. And he's like, are you kidding me? I said, no, I was telling my friend about this. I was telling a friend of mine about this the other day, and he says, so you mean this man just got fucking lucky? <laughs> like, he just randomly chose a woman in his building, and this is like the one yeah you know <laughs> and he's like fuck that sucks you're only gonna be here for two more months <laughs> but th it's great because you know we had we talked a little i talked we talked more about him than about me because i don't know i, I didn't I wanted to know what his experiences have been like and I know what mine have been like and I know that he doesn't need to worry about me. Yeah. You know, I don't exploit and um, I've got boundaries and, um, you know, all I really wanted... I said, let's, let's start with this. I, I, well, I said, so you're, you're service-oriented, right? And he says, yeah, but I have a girlfriend and I don't want to, like, I don't expect anything. I just, you know, I, I love being in service to somebody. And I said, okay, so how about we start with this? I have a routine that I do every night when I come home from work prepare, to prepare for the next day because of the food issues. And um, I said, I would love it if you could come and perform that routine every three days a week. Let's start with three days a week. Let's start Tuesday through Thursday. You come over at this time. You make my lunch for the next day. You heat up my food for that night. That lets me do the things that I need to do right now because I'm wrapping everything up. And it frees up a lot of time and brain space for me. And that would be great. Let's start there. And he's like, okay. That, oh, that sounds... Perfect. That sounds great. And I, and I said, 
And I also want him to do my dishes because I hate doing dishes. Of course. Every woman hates doing dishes. <laughs> That's the only thing that I'm like, you got to do the dishes. <laughs> you have to be willing to do the dishes. <laughs> of course you say yes. <laughs> He's like, I'd love to do your dishes. <laughs> um, so we had last week and he's he's great he's he's a professional he's young he's uh i think 25 or 26 so he's not too young he's not you know over he's not desperate mm -hmm. um you know there's no bio clock ticking with him or anything like that he's still open and free yeah. and he's funny he's sweet He's helpful. He's interested in, you know, you just have to show this to me once and then I've got it from here. Mm. You know, he's, he wants to know my routine. He wants to make it better and faster and, you know, more efficient. And he, and he, and he wants to give me um, an opportunity to, if I need to, not really worry about him being there and take care of the things that I need to take care of. Sure. I'm so glad... First off, I want to, this is what service is to me. Yeah. It's not, you know, being, always having to be looked over and stuff like that. You know, it's yeah. the opposite. Yeah. Yeah. It, it provides me opportunities. And, and the, he looked so happy, content, calm, at peace. He, he was glowing after the end of the first night. Like, at the end of the first night, we're both smiling. We're thrilled to be getting to know each other. You know, it's it's really nice. Did you make him do it naked? <laughs> no, I'm just... No, because I, I, I've got... No, I hate that. I know. That's what... The, the creepiest thing is I've heard, like, I'd love to do service for you. I've heard other friends of mine saying, I'd love to do service, but I, can I be naked the whole time? Or, Ugh, yeah. That's so fucking disgusting. Yeah. And who wants ball sweat on their dishes? Oh, God. <laughs> okay. So let's go back to how, how long has it been? It's been a little over a week? Yeah, this is the second week, and tonight's Tuesday, so I have yeah. to get home. I, I want to get home. Um, and I've sent him my calendar so that he can know when I have time out with friends so he can come over later than our, like, default time. Uh -huh. And, um, and uh, it's... It's fantastic. It's wonderful. I, 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 I can't wait to become closer friends with him. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I really want that sort of friendship bond. I want uh, something that I want something that comes naturally. Yeah. And that friendship bond seems to be the thing that is easiest, lowest maintenance. Just be yourself. And if you love each other's company, then you love each other's company. So how's the sex? <laughs> no, but that's really good. Have you have you already broached the subject of possibly him mentioning this to his girlfriend, or bringing it up someday? Um, you know, I would. Uh, no, because I only have two months left in New yeah. York City. But um, I. I've had fantasies about being friends with both of them. Uh -huh. She knows that he has this penchant. Oh, okay. Um, 
and but she doesn't talk about it much and he doesn't talk about it much and um and uh you know I think she understands that it's not sexual mm-hmm. I I would love to become friends with the both of them um you know I don't know I don't know we'll we'll see what happens organically I don't want to, I don't. I definitely don't want to create any stresses when it's unnecessary. Yeah. When there's a time limit on, on that's my that's really New York. very sweet. Yeah, that's really an awesome story. Yeah, I'm so great. glad you didn't tell me over the phone. Like, are you giving a hint, damn it? <laughs> no, bastard. bastard. <laughs> this is this is so great, and it sucks that I've only got a couple of months. But this is actually when I need him the most. Yeah. I need him a lot right now. I, I mean, think, I, I, I think another thing that that sort of created the right environment for this kind of relationship to even form is that um, something has changed in my self-perception and confidence. And um, I think also that there was no presumption involved with this contact it really sort of uh, it liberated uh, the connections to, to be made however however they were going to be made however they were naturally going to be made yeah um, I, f- I always sort of bucked at the thought of dominating and having someone in service to me I, I always bucked at that it was and because I have rarely met anyone that wasn't totally creepy. Yeah. And so it's like, no, if this is what it's like, I don't want to have anything to do with it. That's you're disgusting. <laughs> you're disgusting. <laughs> Tell me how you really feel. <laughs> you're a horrible person. <laughs> you have no dignity. <laughs> Put your pants back on. <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing this with me. I'm so glad I have this to share. Yay. It's so exciting. Yay. Thanks to Evermore. Uh, we're going to actually hear more from uh, Evermore in, uh, in, the, in a future, future episode. So you'll be able to hear more. She'll give us an update on what happened with the guy from the letter. Thanks to my friend Megan. Again, her information uh, is meganhinman.com. That's on the website, massivecast.com as well. And, uh, of course, thanks to Eden Fantasies. Response to this episode again. 20% off your order by typing in EFCAST. That's E F C A S T. And also check out uh, the Sexist Magazine, free sex positive magazine for stories and advice from favorite sex bloggers, people you trust. We'll see you later. Bye bye. <laughs>